Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by Chief songwriter and lyricist of the Pittsburgh rock band, Little Wretches. Little Wretches was going in the 80s and 90s, but due to life's obligations, they disbanded. But Robert Wagner still plays in coffee houses and clubs. In fact, he just released a iTunes topping chart song that played on over 115 AM FM radio stations. Robert keeps himself busy as well by counseling youth, troubled youth, and he still has an open stage event. So, Robert Wagner, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Curveball, thank you for thank you for inviting me. I, I listened to your you know your introduction, and it's like, oh my, you know, we haven't. It's not like we disbanded. It's just for most of the people that I was playing with, the demands of life superseded playing in the band. We still play together when, when we can. And in fact, we're recording an album right now. But most of my performances are solo performances, just me and my guitar. Sweet. Well, why don't you start off, first of all, by kind of giving people a little background about yourself? Oh, my. Well, that could get deep. You I think it's important for me to say that, you know, I'm, I'm a descendant of immigrants and uh, my family came over from the what's now the Slovak Republic. And the understanding was that uh, you came to America for opportunity and that we were supposed to better ourselves and then, you know, reach back and pull others up with us, you know. So uh, I remember one time when I, when I was a kid and I, I made the mistake of telling my grandmother that I just wanted to be happy. And she said, happy? Cows in a field are happy. Do you want to be a cow? Like, no, I don't want to be a cow. I said, no, you think we sacrificed everything we had to come over here so that you could be happy? You're going to make something out of yourself. So, so there's, you know, somehow I, w- I was instilled with the belief that I'm supposed to accomplish something, I'm supposed to make the world a better place, and I'm supposed, you know, that I've been given talents and I'm supposed to do something with them. Uh, Somewhere along the line, I discovered that I have the power of the word, I'm a good writer, and most of what I know about the world, uh, I've learned through music, through songs when I was growing up. My, my worldview was shaped by the music that I listened to. So wanting, to, you know, having the gift of, of writing and knowing that the best way to teach is through telling stories, I teach by telling stories and I tell stories with songs. And The Little Wretches was my vehicle for, you know, t- the audiences. It's funny, you know, there, people go see movies that could be really hardcore and really hard-hitting and powerful, but uh, with songs, uh, you know, you just want the happy, shiny stuff. And what I've found is audiences can handle anything as long as you set it up properly for them, and, and that's part of the reason why I felt like I had to start The Little Wretches so that my songs had a place in the world that made sense. I know I can put them across given a chance to get in front of an audience. So tell us about 
you say that you're an immigrant. Where did you come from and how long you been here and what was it no, like? No, I'm a, a descendant of immigrants. My, my, uh, my grandparents came from what is now the Slovak Republic. So that would be oh, East, Eastern okay. Europe. Gotcha. Uh, my grandmother, when she was a girl, uh, the, the, the Slovaks were always under, the, under somebody else's thumb. My grandmother told me that when she was a little girl, there was a time when they were being uh, controlled by the Hungarians. And if she went to school and spoke Slovak, she would be paddled because they were trying to exterminate the Slovak language. They were trying to turn them all into Hungarians. So my grandmother, you know, it was a farming village. So she thought when she was, she, she was one of the few kids in her in her community that actually liked school and liked education. So when they sent her to the United States, she thought she was coming here to go to college. To her surprise, she was met at the train station by the man who was my grandfather, who said, uh, pleased to meet you, you're my wife. And when he saw the shock on her face, he said, well, you don't have to come with me, but uh, you don't have any money, you don't speak English, and you're not that good looking, so you could do worse. Um, now, now, my grandmother could have been uh, a philosopher or an engineer, but she went to her grave never speaking, never learning how to write and read English. Her daughter, my mother, could have been a doctor, but in that generation, women became nurses, not doctors. If she was born today, she'd be a doctor. I, I wonder sometimes maybe they'd be a little disappointed in me being a lowly songwriter and uh, a teacher and counselor, but... Yeah, I feel like that's where I get. The, I can make the most impact directly in the lives of people. I mean, you, music affected me most powerfully, so that's my natural medium. Well, let's talk about the little wretches. How did you come up with the name and just kind of tell everybody a little background and history uh, about the band? Well, uh, it, the, the name just makes sense to us. Where it actually came from literally was, you know, we were starting to play. Me, my little brother, and some of our friends were starting to play and trying to make something out of the songs that I was writing. And, uh, you know, I'm a graduate at the University of Pittsburgh, and there was some kind of film series on campus. So as long as I had my student ID, I could see a free movie just about any night of the week. And there was a film series, uh, some French director named Francois Truffaut. And we went to see a, a movie of his called The 400 Blows. And it's a movie about juvenile delinquents in France. And there's one scene where two boys just finished burglarizing a rich person's home. You know, they, they knew where to go to find the money and the jewels. And as they're leaving the scene of the crime, they're walking down the steps of a cathedral and they cross paths with a priest. And they look up at the priest and say, good morning, madam. And of course, the priest takes offense at being called a madam. And he turns around and says, little wretch. And so, you know, this is all in subtitles on the screen. So when I see in the subtitles, Little Wretch, I just looked at everybody and said, that's the name of our band. We're the Little Wretches. And of course, you know, we have that, you know, hymn, Amazing Grace, how great thou, how great the sound to save a wretch like me. Blessed are the meek from the Beatitudes in the Bible. Uh, so, so just the concept of being a little wretch, uh, being on the outside of society and fighting to keep our heads above water, uh, that's something that just... That's what I am. So that's where we got our name. Absolutely. Well, that's that's definitely a good name. And that's where I thought it might have came from, from Amazing Grace or something like that. 
Well, you know, it's surprising. It's surprising to me uh, that a lot of people don't automatically. I would. I would just assume everybody would make that connection. If if you actually took a poll of our listeners, I'd say a lot of our listeners are you know Christian or you know in the Judeo Christian tradition, or if not in the Judeo Christian tradition, they have some devout beliefs that. Uh, mean that, you know, life is purposeful, life is sacred, and, you know, someday we'll answer to a higher power. But uh, the actual Christian music business has never really had anything to do with me. You know, I'm, I'm in the world, but not of the world, as they say. Uh, I, I would appreciate it if the Christian music business showed more interest in my work, yeah, but that's, that's just not what, you know, we're, we're like John the Baptist, we're voices crying in the desert, and... Uh, Hopefully, there's somebody out there to hear. Well, you also have a open stage event. Tell us about that event and how you got that started and what it's all about. Well, I think uh, that's... I'm no longer associated with it, but back when I was had been mostly playing rock and roll music, loud music, and I was getting to the, the phase of my life where... You know, people, you know, our audience, they, they had children, they had lives, the, you know, instead of coming out every weekend, Friday and Saturday night, now they're starting to come out once a month, once a year. And it just felt like it's time to move in a different direction. And I was invited to participate in uh, what was the Folk Society of Pittsburgh, Calliope, the Folk Society of Pittsburgh. They had a songwriters group that met in the basement of the Carnegie Library. And when I attended that, uh, I realized, wow, some of these guys are really, really good songwriters, and they're playing in the basement of a library. We need to take this into a more public venue where it's a higher profile. So we started, we would still have the monthly gathering in the songwriters group, but we would have a weekly open stage. We we had it in various places over the years, but I wanted to make sure that it would live after me. So it started off two guys, me and James Hovan coordinated it. And then we would bring in additional people like Jack Erdy, John Conaway. And then eventually I was able to filter myself out of it altogether. So so we established it and it became self-sustaining. But I don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I might play the occasional open mic, but uh, I'm more trying to get shows uh, where I have, you know, I, I like to play in listening rooms where uh, you're not background music. You're, you know, people aren't watching the NBA game on the TV. They came to hear the music and they're focused on the music because, you know, you communi- com- communicate in a more powerful, direct and intimate way when people are listening. If you're background music, you might as well just put on the radio. Well, jumping from the music real quick, you also counsel troubled youth troubled children. So how did you get into that and tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, and that's some ways, you know, I've, I've questioned myself about how did I end up in this line of work? And, you know, my father was a troubled youth and uh, he grew up without a father of his own. His father died when he was young. And my dad was just always really good with kids, uh, especially if there was any kid in the neighborhood who'd who'd lost his father, either in the war or because the father went to jail or some other tragic circumstances. My father would always just 
develop a closeness with that kid. So, I don't know, I must have learned it from my dad. I've always been good with kids. And, uh, you know, when you're a musician, sometimes you have to take part-time jobs. I've, you know, I've also been good at school, so it was easy for me to get my teaching certificate. But I, I, at one point, I was working with some little old ladies that would shake their finger at me and say, you should be working at one of those dead poet society schools. Like, well, yeah, I, I should be working at a school perhaps, but I don't want to be working for a bunch of rich kids. I would rather be working uh, for kids who have to struggle in life. And uh, so I got a job uh, working in a residential program with court adjudicated teens and also teaching one-on-one -on -one kids who'd been expelled from school. And I was just good at it. I love it. It's it, You know, some kids, uh, you know, if you ask them, what are you angry about? And I'm like, well, look at my life. And if you don't understand what I'm angry about, that's what I'm angry about. Uh, the, the, the world has opportunities that will never be granted me. The world has privileges that I don't have. I've got to struggle just to keep my head above the water. And that's, you know, so, you know, edgy kids, they don't have to explain to me if they're upset about something. I don't need an explanation. I'm here to try to make your life better and try to help you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not a cop. I'm not a, a judge. Uh, you know, I'm here to help. And uh, and I love it. I, 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 I probably get more out of these relationships than the students do. But I'll tell you something, Curveball, I, this may have, have happened to you. When somebody comes back from an earlier phase of your life to tell you that you saved their life, ooh, that, that'll, you know, boost your spirits, you know? So, yeah, I did make a difference. I did, I, I did affect somebody in a positive way. And that's why I chose to start this show. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's like gardening a little bit sometimes, you know, you're planting seeds and you can never really be sure which seeds are taking root, which seeds are germinating and, and which don't. You just, you put your effort into it with faith and the rest of it's in the hands of God, you know, and every now and then somebody comes back and reminds you, yep, your efforts were not wasted. Well, let's speak in our efforts. Let's talk about the music that you recently put out in 2020 and about that iTunes topping song. Well, it's 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 pretty weird because last year when the when the whole uh, COVID thing happened and the whole world shut down, that actually worked to my advantage because you know. Uh, nobody's touring, so it levels the playing field. I, I'm, I'm as much in the game as anybody else, and, and I was able, uh, through past relationships, it was easy for me to get my stuff released on all the big digital platforms. And uh, it, it's funny, the like we before we before we started the show here, you, we were talking off the air about uh, the song called "Who Is America." And, yeah, I wrote that a long time ago, but I could have written it day before yesterday. It's perfectly timely. Uh, you know, the, the very opening lines were talking about unrest on the streets, counting the bottles all empty and broken, you know, Molotov cocktails and fighting in the streets. And uh, then it kind of transforms itself to uh, talking about people who are going to work but they're disenchanted. They're, they don't find their work meaningful. They're just, they're just going through the motions. They're looking for purpose, but not finding it. You know, all those songs that 
just, I don't know if the time was right. I've heard people say things like, you know, you were ahead of your time. It's like, oh, no, no, I think we were, we were perfectly where we were supposed to be. And right now, it's like I'm sitting on a gold mine. Uh, I've spent my whole life building up this catalog of music, which is now uh, kind of timely and people are responding to it. So I'm as lucky as can be. Uh, God must have a plan for me, you know. And that's a beautiful setting in the background. Sounds like you're outside and got the little birds agreeing with you in the background chirping. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I thought about closing these windows because we could also be hearing some some geese out there. But right now we're hearing the chirping birds. Where I live, I live outside of Philadelphia and... But it used to be a vacation destination for people from Philadelphia. All around me is kind of suburbanized, but I live right in the Creek Valley. I don't own the place. I, I'm a renter, but I live on the second floor. I look out my window. I could see a bald eagle fly by. I could look out. I see foxes. I see deer. Uh, it's an incredible place. And then I can hop in my car and be in downtown Philadelphia in a half an hour or so. Uh, I could be in Allentown, Bethlehem. This is a really cool place. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I, I live in paradise. Yes, I have. And speaking of that, when I bring musicians on the show, I like to put them on the spot. So why don't you give us kind of a little bit of snippet of that chart-topping song so we can hear what it sounds like? Oh, you, you want me to recite or do you want me to play a little bit? Oh, you, you can play and sing it a little bit. All right. All righty. Let's see here. Counting the bottles all empty and broken. Asthmatic parasites squealing and choking. The paste of discarded when your wallet gets stolen. Your lipstick is smeared and your eyelids are swollen. You're up in the morning and you're down in the spirit. You're five minutes late and they don't want to hear it. Get docked a half hour, get shocked by how pointless. These people are mindless and spineless and jointless. Ooh, in America they call it fear. Ooh, they call it fear. Prettier girls caress styrofoam coffee cups, cigarette smoke and a mirror for making up. You look pretty normal, but you feel out of place because you don't care about the things they chase. Family and friends give each other support, spending their lives selling themselves short. The years fly past when you're caught in the flow because a person can't want what a person don't know. Ooh, in America, they call it fear. Ooh, they call it fear. Who's the big shark in the small pond? Who's the uncrowned king of the dump? Every now and then you like to toss a few crumbs to watch all the suckers jump. You take care of your own kind first. Those who have shall have more. There's one pen mightier than the sword. It signs the declaration of war. Any boy can be president, but only one per generation. When one man strikes it rich, 99 others find deprivation. For every beast of burden who is cut loose from the yoke, 99 others work twice as hard, believing they've got a hope. Don't be afraid when you're out late waiting for morning. You're by the riverside, watching raindrops on the wharf. 
There's thunder and the lightning. It's going to start pouring. We didn't pay a dime. We got the best view in the world. Ooh, in America, they call it fear. Ooh, in America, they call it fear. They call it fear. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I wish I could have. I have my guitar sitting right here, but I don't know if if I'd have played the guitar, it probably would have been too loud relative to the to the vocal. But that's very possible. Thanks for asking me to do it, though, man. I love that song. Oh, no problem. Um, speaking of that, you got any other upcoming projects, things that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, we just put out. Uh, you know, m most of my catalog is with a live, with a full band, and it's pretty loud and pretty rocking. Uh, and most of my shows are solo acoustic shows. So I put out an acoustic show. It's just me and a violin player. It's called, we recorded it live at a museum in Pittsburgh called the Mattress Factory. So it's called Live at the Mattress Factory, Songs from the Land of Pitbulls and Poker Machines. So that's a concert recording, acoustic. And we're working on a new album called Red Beats and Horseradish, which is probably the best writing that I've done. Uh, it's taking longer to work on th than I'd hoped. We started rehearsals back in January. We, you know, it'll be done when it's done. When, when it's finished, it's going to be really good. You know, red like the, the, you know, the blood that runs through my veins, beats like the the food that you eat, the root that you pick out of the ground, and horseradish, that like spicy root that might be a little too powerful for the average palate. Red beets and horseradish. If you had to describe the little wretches in three words, I think that's what you say, red beets and horseradish. So how do people listen to your music and get in touch with you? Give out social media links, website. Well, you know, it, I, I have an Instagram thing, but I almost never put anything on it. Uh, you know, you just look up the Little Wretches. Facebook, just look up the Little Wretches. We're all over YouTube. There's, you know, hundreds of hours of live footage of uh, concerts on YouTube. Uh, anywhere that you download or stream music, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, we're, you know, we're everywhere. Just just look up the Little Wretches. And uh, our website is doesn't have the word the. It's www.littlewretches.com. But I'd like to ask your listeners, you know, when I was growing up, I collected music. I collected albums. I collected CDs. Your music library is a reflection of you. When you stream our music, the artists make almost nothing. But when you download our music, the artists actually make money. So I would ask that if you like what we do, download an album. Don't just stream it. But if you stream it, I'm still grateful that you're listening. Absolutely, listeners. So that, that's a good tidbit for everybody. Do you have any final thoughts before we close it out? Uh, well, you know, like uh, the name of the band, The Little Wretches, you know, Blessed Are the Meek. Um, one thing that I can say in my work with at-risk kids is most of them are, I, I was lucky that when I was a young, very young, I grew up in a two-parent home, I would say, men, Take care of your families. Take care of your children. Take care of the mothers of your children. Ladies, do not associate yourself with men who will abandon you and will abandon your children. Those children will do better 
with two loving parents that are part of their lives that have their backs, that love them, teach them, and lift them up. So uh, take care of your The most important work you will ever do is taking care of your family. So that's, that's my two cents, my words of wisdom. Now, I'll say something real quick about that. I interviewed a guy, uh, Mark Ludwig, where he was fighting for 50-50 custody for parents. And he was talking about how in in these cases, you would think that the man might abandon. But in some cases, you know, everything's not always the same. But it might be that one one of the parents might get mad because they didn't work out and they're not allowing the children to have a relationship with the other parent. Have you seen that w- with your work with kids? Oh, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that that's the that's one of the worst case scenarios where you have everything that you need to, to, to have a support system for that child. And instead of supporting that child, they're in a tug of war. And, uh, you know, the parents are treating each other with spite and vengefulness when the whole point is raise your child, support your child, love your child and love them enough to find a way to work out a peaceful, you know, be, be peaceful in between the two of you. Yeah, but the, but I think that that's that goes back to, to the to the very beginning. You know, if you're going to have a child, honor the sanctity of life and make a commitment to doing what's best for the child. Now it's not easy. Absolutely, and that was well said. Well, Robert, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on. Good luck, and we'll be listening for that new music. Thank you, uh, Curveball. Thank you for having me. Good night, everybody. Listeners, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share after listening. Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.